Hey, this is Max from the Arkells, and you're listening to Underground Sports Philadelphia. What is going on, everybody? Welcome into episode number 604 of Underground Sports Philadelphia, presented by the City of Vineland. It's KB and Matt coming at you with a little remote setup tonight as we mourn the 2023-2024 Eagles season. Did Jason Kelsey really retire? And we've got some fun and interesting locker room quotes from today. As uh, the media met with the Eagles, we got some Phillies updates. Obviously, the Sixers, as Patrick Beverly would say, the belt to ass tour continues on. And the Flyers continue to stay hot. Uh, and right around the corner is the Union season. So we'll talk a little Union as well towards the end of the episode. But make sure before we get into everything, you guys are following us on the socials at Underground PHI. On Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI, which we are live on right now. Uh, so you can be watching us live on Facebook. And of course, Twitch.tv slash Underground Sports PHI. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Casarina. You can follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Leave a five-star rating and review. It does go a long way for helping this show continue to grow. Helps our entire network grow and uh, lets us do more dope things for and with you guys and allows us to hit new milestones. So be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts in audio form. And subscribe to the Underground Sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's where you get full video episodes of this show twice a week, full video episodes of every show on our network, live streams, shorts, clips, original video content. It's all on our YouTube channel. Go subscribe. We're at 719 subscribers, trying to get to 800 before the end of the month, February quickly approaching. So let's uh, let's keep the numbers rolling and get to 800 as uh, you know, the more and more milestones we hit on YouTube, the better this show does, the better all of our shows do. And that means we get to continue doing awesome stuff with you guys and for you guys across the board. Uh, and of course, this show is sponsored by the City of Vineland and the City of Vineland Municipal Calendar. Features city-organized, city-sponsored, and city-affiliated events that are of public interest. The calendar, which is accessible at vinelandcity.org, is a good way for residents and visitors to build awareness, remain engaged with city government, and participate in local events. You can also follow the City of Vineland on social media via their Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube pages. And through these tools, you can stay connected to the community and get important announcements about programs and services offered by the city. Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. And big thank you to Security 21 Security Systems and Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated for their continued support of this podcast. Matt, what's going on, brother? I'm living the dream. The Philadelphia Eagles nightmare of a season has come to a close. It is brought to you by our awesome merch partners at PHI Apparel Company. 
uh, where you can gear up for the Sixers, the Flyers, the Phillies, the Union, and maybe for next season, the Philadelphia Eagles, where they have the best merch in the game to help you stand out in the crowd and have everybody asking, where the hell did you get that shirt? Well, it's from PHI Apparel Company. Uh, They also have exclusive Underground Sports Philadelphia podcast merch, like the hoodie I'm wearing right now. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, you can snag that bad boy up. And all of our podcasts on our network have exclusive merch at PHI Apparel Company. So when you're ready to rock and roll for whatever season it may be, go to phiapparel.co and when you go to check out, use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off your order. It's the most effective and direct way to support everything we're doing here at Underground Sports Philadelphia. So go get your merch, phiapparel.co, and use code UNDERGROUND for 10% off your order. The Eagles season has come to a close, Matt. A long, arduous, and tumultuous season at that as they fall to the Bucks in disastrous fashion. Baker Mayfield uh, continues his Zin in pocket tour, and uh, the birds are now in a position where there's a lot of questions swirling around this team from coaching to players retiring to players coming back, and I think it's more questions than what we've seen in the, the recent history of the Philadelphia Eagles ending a season with. Yeah, honestly, it's kind of like uh... – it's kind of like watching a really cringy episode of TV that you watched like maybe on the premiere and then you go back and you're doing a rewatch and you get to it, you're like, oh, I forgot how bad this was. And then you're sort of reminded of the fact that, yeah, you know, this was always here. Um, I don't know that we had a ton of faith in this team beating the Buccaneers. I personally bet against the Eagles um, because I just, I, I, I said well, it a million times. That there was, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I this team was obviously so ready to lose and, there's only one team that I thought that could have made the NFC playoffs that I, I would have actually expected the Eagles to beat, and that would have been the Saints. Um, but even them, you know, just defensively, this team just did not have it. They're very lucky that the Buccaneers could not, you know, hold on to catches or, um, you know, convert on, on some of these third and fourth down things. Like, it, this this game could have been completely out of reach, uh, you know, by the first half, and um, it was kind of – in a way, it, it sucked because it felt like you were just being strung along for the entire game um, and that, you know, like it was, you know, there's a possibility of a comeback and, and it just was never really there. Yeah, I mean, you you look at the way that this season unfolded and, you know, you, you tough out some wins early in the year. The best win of the season was against the Dolphins, the only double-digit victory of the year. Um, and then as the season progressed, it's like, wow. We got lucky to beat this team. Wow, we hung on in overtime to beat that team. Wow, Jake Elliott kicked the field goal of his life in the rain to uh, to beat the Bills. And from there on out, it just felt like a panic mode for this team. We talked about it when it happened. Like, at 10-1, and one and you're switching defensive coordinators. And ultimately, it feels like that's what kind of cost you the season when you're trying to cover up what the real problem was, which was your offensive scheme and – uh, the way that your offense was operating, you know, in the, the post-game press conference after the Bucks game, Nick Sirianni talking about, well, we scored nine points on offense. And the number one screenshot of a play rolling around was third and two. And Jalen Hurts has a blitz right in his face. And none of the receivers are facing the ball. Nobody's in the middle of the field to protect Jalen Hurts from getting absolutely crushed. And that's what happened all season. And it's pretty sad that this offense 
you can have people putting fake stats out there about the wide receiver screens this year, and you kind of have to question whether or not they're real. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is that this team just made no adjustments. Um, and, you know, that, that's where we get into, like, the long-term discussions about, you know, what happens, um, you know, with Sirianni, you know, is this team just didn't make any any adjustments at all. Uh, in fact, they got worse. They just got worse as the year went on. And I, I would really love to get down to the Matt Patricia thing, like whose decision that was, um, because I think whosever choice that was, should be fired or sell the team. I think it's 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 one of the most indefensible things I've ever seen in Philadelphia sports, and I'm not exaggerating. Mm-hmm. I've never in my life – if you want to bring him on as an advisor or whatever, I think it's dumb. I don't know what you could possibly gain from this guy. But we also know that the NFL and a lot of other sports are just like the boys' club. And if a few people like you, you always find your way into a job somewhere, so I'm going to pay you a meal ticket just for whatever reason. Um, the fact that they didn't even have the courage – to actually, you know, it kind of gets leaked out by a national reporter on like a random Sunday afternoon when they were playing the next day. Uh, uh, and, and they never really even said that Desai was demoted, that that Patricia was the, the defensive coordinator. Like the whole thing just reeks and it's it's disgusting. And whatever decision that was honestly should not have a job. It's it's There's no defense for it. It is one of the most puzzling things I, I've ever seen. Um and yeah, that's that's where you get into to Sirianni, you know, and the things about the blitzes, and you have Jay Gruden, you know, like uh, publicly, and, and and he's not wrong either. That's the thing yeah. too, you know. It's like you're making me agree with Jay Gruden. That's shocking. It's the Eagles were so bad that they started a Jay Gruden Robert Griffin the Third Twitter beef. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think Robert Griffin the Third was like, yeah, what about protecting your quarterback? Because uh, I, I I don't remember it happening that way either, and I was like. 16, 17 years old. I, I don't remember uh, uh, Jay Gruden protecting Robert Griffin III. In fact, I remember that being complete opposite, but that's a, that's a different uh, different situation. I just, you know, we talked like a few weeks ago about the end of the season and what it would look like if Syriana wasn't here. And we talked even last week about that. And I think we felt he'd probably get another year. And I didn't think that that was unfair um, and that he's gone to the playoffs three straight years has had winning seasons on all of those years was at the Super Bowl last year. I sit here today without trying to be reactionary. If I, if I, like my honest opinion is I don't know that you can bring him back. I, I, I just, I don't know how you bring back a guy that seemingly doesn't have an answer. And if he's the one at the, at, at the, the heart of the Matt Patricia choice too, like that's, that's double, double time for me. I just, I, I, I don't know that you can, can you give him the car keys again? I think it's a really complicated issue, though, too. You know, because I don't think you want to be known as an organization. And I, I think this is where you can run into some trouble if you're the Eagles, where guy did bring you to the Super Bowl last year. That earned you equity in, in this league. And I think high-level coaches or promising coaches will look at your situation and be like, how do I know if I make the Super Bowl next year that I'm not going to be out of a job? Then I, you know, like, that's a real concern I would have if I'm uh, a, a, you know, a potential coach or if I'm the agent of that potential coach, like it's, it's totally possible that this just goes sideways and um, you know, Howie Roseman's somehow going to survive this potential coach firing. You know, we we've gone back and forth over time doing the show about his ability, his inability, things like that. He's a, a high risk, high reward type of GM. Maybe you got to look at that. I, I don't know. Like I, I think this, this end of season has brought on more existential questions than I expected it to. Yeah, and I mean, you're getting, on the day of a game, 
national and local news dumps about the the finger pointing in the Eagles locker room and and getting out ahead of it even before the first ball is snapped and it's like this just reeks of a loss you know having this leak out hours before game time uh when you're about to play a playoff game and then after the game you have media members asking Jalen Hurts if he wants Nick Sirianni back and he's like I didn't know he was going anywhere uh, and then today, I don't know if you saw this, NBC Sports Philadelphia put up the the clip, or it was on NBC Sports Philadelphia when they had uh, you know exit interviews with the media. Uh, Fletcher Cox called Jeff McClain a clown to his face because Jeff McClain asked if um, you know if, if Sirianni's going to be back, and he was like, "You a clown, bro? Get out of my face." That's where we're at with this team. Yeah, I think for me. Um... There, there, there are some like higher profile guys that seemingly like support Sirianni, and that's a feather in his cap. However, I would say that there it was older guys too, and mm-hmm. that's where I, I, I almost wonder, maybe because he's been a guy. I, I don't know. It, it's so hard to to parse through some of these things and um, some of the logistics, like between uh, you know, like what happens in the locker room, who's upset with who. It's very clear to me that there there was more than just this team not playing well. Like it was more than just bad coaching. I, I do think, and this is this is again where you start getting into these existential questions. Where's Jalen Hurts in all this? His greatest strength is supposed to be that he's a culture guy. He's a values guy. He's a hard work guy. I'm not questioning those attributes that he has personally. Mm-hmm. But when you're paying a guy fifty million dollars a year, and it's very easy in a year that you win, you know, 13, 14 games to go to the Super Bowl, that that's your mantra. I would have liked this year when this team faced real adversity to feel at least as a fan that there was something from Jalen Hurts. I'm not trying to pin this on him, but like these are questions that I don't think we expected to ask ourselves. But And, and I think the Jalen one is very far down that list, but I don't think anyone is is walking out of this clean. I don't think there's a single player besides like Devontae Smith and AJ Brown that I'm like, yeah, you didn't do anything wrong. I don't Even know. DeAndre what could you Swift. have done? DeAndre Swift, you know, like I really like who 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 escapes this season without any kind of question of like, well Jake Elliott. <laughs> Jake Elliott, honestly. Yeah, Jake Elliott might be he really he really might be the only one. Um yeah, I mean I I watched the the post game press conference with Jalen and this season, and like you said, like Jalen's the furthest to blame, I think, in a lot of this. There's way more questions surrounding coaching, coordinators, people in the building that are in the front office before you even think about knocking on the Jalen Hurts door. I think Jalen's final press conference after the game against the Bucks was his best of the year. And that's kind of odd to say because it felt like in so many different games, Jalen was keeping a lot of things like close to the vest, which, sure, you want to do that. It makes a lot of sense. You don't want to put too much out there as the quarterback. You're kind of being the silent leader and allowing your yourself to carry yourself that way. And I think Jalen's leadership is a lot different than a lot of quarterbacks in the league, and that's totally fine because you've seen Jalen Hurts perform at a high level, and it works. But Jalen was very telling, very like – you know, hard on his sleeve in that final press conference. And I liked that in a situation where they were, you just got blown out in a playoff game, you know, season didn't go the way you wanted it to. And not that you expect any less from him, but it was nice to see that from your quarterback that you are paying that franchise quarterback money to that you are expecting to be a leader on this team. And I think that was telling moving forward that Jalen 
wants to see this team succeed, wants to do whatever it takes to win. And that's kind of been his whole, you know, thing from the beginning of getting drafted here is like, I want to win more than anything for the city of Philadelphia. He said that after the bills game, when they won that, uh, that overtime game. And, you know, you see the guys that have stuck up for Sirianni. It's the guys that you want on this team. It's the Jalen hurts, the AJ Brown, Devonte Smith, DeAndre Swift, uh, and then, you know, Jason Kelsey, Fletcher Cox, Jordan Mailata. Like, the faces of this team seem to really want Sirianni here, but have also acknowledged that things are going to have to change for them to continue to be successful. And I think one of the big telling things that, at least defensively, we saw this year was when the 49ers were coming to town and Javon Hargrave is giving interviews saying, you know, practice was almost like a vacation when – I was with the Eagles practice here is it's a grind. It's a dog fight. And you can see the difference. The Eagles this year, it, you've seen pop Warner teams tackle better than the Eagles did every other team. It's they're wrapping up. They're getting hard hits. This Eagles team. It was like, they were almost afraid of tackling, especially down the stretch. And you have to attribute that to a defensive coordinator, quote unquote change, where you have so many mixed messages and you're trying to figure out whose you know, message and whose scheme am I trying to implement here, you saw the defense absolutely crumble down the stretch. And the number one thing was the offense never changed. And like you said, adjustments were never made offensively. And it was the same old song and dance outside of the one game against the Dolphins. Yeah, and I mean, even then, the Dolphins, you know, we talk about another team that just kind of had a little bit on fraud watch, uh, you know, a team that couldn't. Funnily enough, I think the Eagles had one of the worst defensive performances that the, the you know, in terms of like a, a top team playing against the Dolphins. You know, and that game too happened. featured the the ref that made the blown call in the Lions Cowboys game, where that ref called ten penalties on the Dolphins and none against the Eagles. Yeah, yeah, you know, I think we joked like a month and a half ago, like when we were talking about you know, the Vikings season last season, where they were in all these one score games and. You know, everyone called them a fraud. It's like, well, maybe the Eagles are, you know, a little more. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, yeah, I, I think especially the, the defensive effort to me says two things. It says coaching and also I think these guys just kind of weren't in it, you know, in the final weeks of the season. I think you could feel it. And I think you could feel it in that playoff game. Um, Troy Aikman was saying, you know, pretty early in the game, like, they don't want to be here. Like, yeah. And I, that's it was like a soft strike. Almost like you were almost watching players on strike out in that game. Yeah. I mean, it, it's crazy that they were the most Cancun team out of all the teams to play this weekend. And I, you know, that, that is really surprising to me. It's the, the vibes and the energy around this team were honestly worse. It's one of the, the, the worst I've, I can remember, honestly. And I think what's shocking about it too, is you've seen teams suffer like, real terrible injury luck like going into the playoffs and have way more about them mm-hmm. and way more fight way more dog and even just like publicly like the the, the way the way the fans treat the way reporters talk about it way even national people are talking about it, is way more positive than the eagles who by the way are almost completely healthy coming into this you know aj brown obviously is the big miss and you know i don't know that he fi- he does not fix this it's not even, I don't, no. he does not fix that game but Outside of that, it's not like this team was like, like two big missing. injuries. It was him and yeah. Blankenship. And that's I'm I'm sorry, but if those are the reason you can't beat what is honestly like one of the most average NFL teams. I mean, you're on the road, granted, but they're just an average NFL team. They were nine and by, eight. 
by like almost every metric. Like they're just average guys. I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Like it's that, that I think is, is a thing. And, and again, you're just, when we, we look at the off season and the big picture stuff, what happens with Sirianni, um, he has to have some good answers on, on how, how it got to this point and what steps he took to try and mitigate this disaster. Because I'm going to tell you, like from the outside looking in, it doesn't look like anything was attempted. And I, I think that is a huge indictment. It is one thing I think to everyone expected, I, I think in some sense, a regression from last year. You know, you had so much change, especially in the coordinators. It's always going to be a year for growth. And it's, it was always going to be a year. I, I, I think it was always just going to be hard to get back. It, it's, it's hard for every team that makes the Super Bowl, that wins the Super Bowl, to, to get back to that kind of place. Look at the Chiefs, right? I know they've moved on to the next round, but it's one of their worst, if not their worst, Mahomes season. But I, I just think that it got so out of control at the end. And this team just absolute collapsed at the end of the season. Someone has to answer for that at the end of the day. And I, I, you have to trust, I think, if you're, you're Laurie and Roseman, that Sirianni is the guy to oversee that, that you get your choice. You know, they'll choose whatever coordinators and whatever. But we've also seen that go poorly with Doug Peterson, a way more, I, I, I think, happy-go-lucky kind of guy, a little bit more like just put me on the, the open water and I'll find my way. Like he, he was upset about kind of losing control of coordinators and, and, and not having that voice. So um, Sirianni is a little bit more of like a fiery character. I don't know how that is going to work. I, I, it just, again, it, it, there's existential questions that I did not expect to be asking about the Eagles. And I mean, maybe we have an answer defensively because <laughs> this just came across my timeline. This is from Andrew DiCecco. Um, he was speaking with Darius Slay, and uh, this is Slay's quote on the midseason defensive coordinator change. Man, this might be an all-time Philly sports athlete quote. Quote, it's tough. It's real tough. Learning two new identities. It's like having two marriages. You know how hard two marriages would be? Handling the personalities of two women. No offense to the women in here. One might want her feet rubbed. One might want her shoulders rubbed. That's crazy. It's a it's a great analogy, and it, I um, you know, in like other other reporting for this too that you know like Desai was apparently like it was just like a, a complicated defense, and he was clearly like smart and had answers, but that it was guys like felt that they were having to overthink while playing, and then you switch to Patricia who just I again <laughs> I'm not trying to bury Patricia, but I I don't know why he he is in this position. I don't understand it. It is, it is truly the worst. He puts that stupid pencil behind his ear. With a laminated the, the, play sheet. The play sheet is laminated. He got a Microsoft Surface Pro, brother. And I don't even think the eraser works as a stylus on those things. I don't even know if that's the type of – it looks like a carpenter pencil, like the one that doesn't even have an eraser. Like, what are we doing? Why do you have that? What, what is like, – And yet that guy's supposed to have, like, a rocket science degree. I can't, I can't, you know what? Listen. There's a lot of dumb people that get rock and science degrees, all right? Like, it's it's not it's just not automatically make you a genius when you do stuff like that. It's just, to me, I um, that that's that's the worst of the bunch, and I, I don't know. I Man, it, it's a lot of questions, I think, too. Like, how Roseman should be facing some questions because, uh, listen, he builds the roster, right? He gets all the credit last year for this team and having one of the most talented rosters that we've seen. He should also be getting some some blame, and and again, that's that's part of what what you have to ride with 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 Harry Roseman is you're gonna have highs, you're gonna have lows with him. Um, 
I don't know that this strategy that he has about, uh, you know, defensive spending is tenable anymore. I really don't. I'm not trying to be like prisoner of the moment and, and all that, but I just don't know that in a league now where defense gets harder and harder every year, Nick Saban was just saying that like, and granted it's college, but I think it's a general trend in football in general. It's like, yeah, if you're a defensive coach, you're, you're Al Qaeda, you're a Taliban, like you're outlaw. You're not a, like honestly, you like you are not going to win that way anymore. It's a different world, and I, I think when you are so willing to skirt on some positions defensively, a Kyle Shanahan is going to rip you to shreds every single time now. Like that's just the way the NFL is moving. Is like you will get exploited time and time again, and that happened to the Eagles last year. It's it's one of the it's it's one of the the least talked about underpinnings of why that team did not win last year is because they could not defensively cope with elite quarterback play. Not every team can, but teams can do it better than the Eagles did last year, and certainly better than the Eagles did this year. Like that, that is a real concern of mine going forward. Is maybe this strategy needs addressing? I don't know that it's something that's going to change though. I I think this is just what how Roseman values, and that's just what you're going to have to roll with. But I, I think in a league now where you have head coaches that are all – think of the best coaches right now. If you could – We just saw Bill anyone. Belichick get fired. Right. And also think of the best head coaches right now that are currently acting. A lot of them are play-calling head coaches. A lot of these guys are, are great offensive minds. There's there's not that many – Bill Belichick was like one of the last great defensive coaches. It's, it's, not, it's not coming. You look at the hottest jobs right now, the, the hottest candidates for jobs – Everyone wants an offensive coordinator, and they want it off the Shanahan tree. They want it off the McVay tree. That's what's in right now. There's one defensive guy that I think is going to be everyone's like cup of tea is Mike McDonald, and that's it. Like it's it's just D'Amico Ryan's last year was someone that you know I I think defensively minded, um, but brings Bobby Sloak with him. And, and I think it also that, changes because D'Amico is a former player too, right. so he gets that benefit of the doubt of like I played against offenses, so I kind of know the the lay of the land plus he came from Kyle Shanahan right so I just I just think I just think that that that's something if if you want to win a Super Bowl maybe it needs more dressing I don't know that's something who do you think to the think top about. five coaches in the league are right now top five coaches in no particular order I yeah. would say I think Sean McVay has to be up there I think uh Harbaugh has to be up there I think Shanahan um like McCarthy, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Matt Lafleur, I think, I was and, I, and that's not man. even prisoner of the moment. I said that before the season it's when so I picked good. the Packers to win the division. Um, <laughs> that I think Matt Lafleur, Matt Lafleur does not get nearly enough credit, and it, a yeah. lot of that is because he had Aaron Rodgers, of course. But um, I think he's great, and I think he's shown that through the course of the season. How it's the youngest team to mm-hmm. do this, and they're just amazing. Um, who would my number five be? Andy Reid. Yeah, Andy Reid. That's the obvious one. I think I Dan Campbell's a close one. Dan Campbell, I would like to see another few years yeah. before you know he. Um, and you know they're going to have. I, I think it's it's same with Sirianni too, though. You know, Dan Campbell's I, I think a great analog for Sirianni last year, where it's like he has this kind of personality. I think people really he has this cult of personality. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that in a positive way. Like he seems to really people buy in. He creates mm-hmm. buy in, and that's really important. I've said this time and time again about all sports, head coaches. 80% of their job is being a boss, is being a manager. And think of the qualities and traits that you like in 
a direct supervisor, a manager, a boss, whoever, that's what you need to be. You need to be like someone who can just talk to people and get them to buy into stuff. Look at what like do that, for the Phillies. It's it's a it's a massive part of the job that I, I I think maybe now people are starting to understand is actually really important. Like it's not enough to just be super smart. You can delegate that. I don't think Dan Campbell is the most cutting edge analytic minded person, right? And I he definitely you know with things like fourth down and going for it, like definitely so. But I don't know that this is the guy that's an offensive genius, offensive guru. He understands those things and knows when to delegate it to people that understand it better than him. And that's important. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a great, you know, skill to have. Um, I do wonder, you know, they're, they're going to get rated this offseason in the same way that the Eagles did. And that's a huge adjustment to come back from. And I, I think that's when you talk about some of the great coaches and the great teams, it's, it's so hard to do that. And that's why I give a lot of credit to someone like Kyle Shannon, right? It's like every year this guy is losing – coordinators he's losing people and it just doesn't matter like it just doesn't matter for the longest time it didn't matter for the patriots you know when they lost people in fact the people that left sucked and then came back and were great again players too like it's that that to me is the mark of of, of a lot of success and that's where the eagles fell short this year was was making those adjustments i think this is a telling quote to uh dan gelson from the associated press brandon graham laughing in the locker room quote Y'all ain't getting nothing today. All the bad stuff's been reported already. Yeah. It's weird that you had that article come out. You're talking about Jalen and the offense and Sirianni's control over the offense the day of the game. That was that was interesting to see mm-hmm. that the day of. That that is normally a uh you know, a day after, you know, type of thing after they're already eliminated. But there's 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 truth there clearly. You know, the, the, there's a story there. And again, you know, if you if you talk about Sirianni being in or out you look at that story and you start to think like, you know, we, we brought up Jalen and some of his performances this year. And part of that I think was his injury, but part of that is also maybe he doesn't trust his offense. Maybe he doesn't feel like this is the offense that's going to work for him. Now at the end of the day, you got to be pro- professional mm-hmm. and suck it up. But I don't know. It's, it's, um, it's going to be an interesting off season for sure. And this team has a lot of questions to answer. Yeah. And I think the big question is, is number 62 hanging it up? Um, Adam Schefter doing what Adam Schefter does and maybe jumping the gun a little bit like he did with Tom Brady uh, yesterday reporting that Jason Kelsey informed teammates that he's retiring. Everybody on social media goes crazy, bringing up all the Jason Kelsey accolades of his career moments and everything. And then on New Heights today, uh, it basically trickled down. Jason Kelsey said, when the time comes, you'll hear it from me. Yeah, well, I hope he pulls a Brady and just out of pure spite, it's like actually I'm good. I'm coming back. Pulls the um, Vince Carter. I got one more in me. It's just kind of yeah. It just it kind of sucks, you know. Like we live in this age too, where it's like all about that first scoop and you know what is I think a probably like really powerful moment. You know, when you decide like yeah, you know I'm done. You know, like I, I think that kind of gets taken away from you as a player, and um, you know gets thrown to this like ambulance chasing hack um it just kind of sucks it kind of sucks that like you know he doesn't get to make that choice now like it's it's already decided for him and now when he makes it it's like yeah we know it's like well i don't yeah i i i would be very frustrated in in his position that that's that's kind of where you end up because it's like it gets taken away from you like this is like the last time you get to do this you know and uh it's a big milestone to say too and so yeah, it, it kind of sucks. Um, if it is, in fact, if he is, in fact, done, which it does seem, 
is very likely to happen. Um, one of the best offensive linemen I've ever seen. Um, I think definitely, you know, revolutionized the center position, what he can do athletically, what he can do mentally. I just very, very rare combination of those things. And uh, just a great player. Uh, Iron Man as well. Like just all around very, very hard to replace type of guy. And I, I think again, when you're talking about the to-do list for the Eagles this off season, now they've, they've done well, I think over the last few years, like, trying to constantly replenish the offensive line. Um, but still, I, I don't, I don't think you find a, any kind of replacement for someone like this. He's a, it's a hall of famer. You do, you don't yeah. ever really do that. I mean, to go from a sixth round pick in the, the end of the Andy Reed era, go through the chip Kelly area, wins a super bowl with Doug Peterson. Now in the Sirianni era, you don't see many sixth round picks surviving that long in general no matter what the position is and obviously Jason Kelsey and oddly enough Tom Brady are two of the exceptions to that rule but like at a position that is such a grind and such a physical toll on your body like he also said on New Heights that like this was the first year that like his body still hurt on Wednesdays so like to go through that grind and obviously this year so uh you know magnified on the tush push and everything that goes into that play from his position and you know to to be an offensive lineman and be so beloved not only by your teammates not only by coaches not only by other players around the league but you don't see many teams fans having an offensive lineman's jersey flooding the stadium you see number 62s in midnight green white black and kelly green every single game every single tailgate i think that's the most telling is that being a sixth round pick being a guy who gave 110 percent every single day in practice every single game he was so he's so relatable and i think that's what makes jason kelsey that much greater is that the average everyday person can relate to jason kelsey being somebody who just wants to be amazing at their craft no matter what it is and he embraced Philadelphia from the jump and I think everyone loved an offensive lineman with long flowing hair at the time to the giant beard and then the the many uh hairstyle changes that Jason Kelsey had to then recording Christmas albums and all the charity that he gives back with the Eagles Autism Foundation and uh Team 62 and everything that he does you know in the off seasons charity wise and then obviously starts the podcast with Travis and I think Jason Kelsey just became like this figure that everyone found a way to relate to him and he's your he's Jason Kelsey is truly the epitome of your favorite player's favorite player yeah and I, I think too you know like obviously his Super Bowl speech I think really cemented him as kind of a uh like a character you know out, outside of the game and um yeah you know he has like the CIL stuff in the summer is like he just yeah, I, I think really ingratiated himself a lot into just the community and, and people's minds. And yeah, really, really hard player to replace. And I'm sure too, uh, you know, you talk about veteran leadership and things like that and setting the tone. It's another guy too that's it's potentially at the door that not easy to replace. You know, we, we talked about it, um, you know, with Schwarber and the Phillies. 
you know, by all accounts, Schwarber brought a lot of energy to the Phillies team and, and a lot of discipline too. And a, and a lot of just like, but good camaraderie, like just a great person to have around. Jason Kelsey seems to, to fit the same box. Like that is not an easy person in any sense to replace. And um, you can't put a, a figure on like that type of just personality and like what that brings and that, that discipline, that professionalism, like that stuff really matters. You know, you talked about it with Jalen Carter getting drafted and the Eagles liked that they had good guys around that they felt they could guide him along. Like if you, you start to lose some of those pieces, then it gets harder to make swings like that, or it gets harder to, to kind of just continually have this, this, this progress and this development. And so it, it's a, it's a big loss. Yeah. And I mean, you look at the way Jason Kelsey also like just made his mark on every other team in the city, like world series. He's on the field with the fanatic, like, chugging beers down the third baseline he's banging the drum at a union game he's ringing the bell at a sixers game he's at flyers games you know getting ready to to hype up the crowd they use jason kelsey on the jumbotron at citizens bank park you know in late innings to get everyone fired up like he's just such a fixture and it makes you think like not only in our lifetime but just overall like there's an argument to be had that jason kelsey is like on that you know, hypothetical Mount Rushmore of Philadelphia athletes of all time. Yeah, he's up there for sure. I He's a, like I said, irreplaceable kind of guy. And I think he's the first guy that, you know, people have their, their thoughts on whether or not Donovan McNabb should have had his number retired by the Eagles. I think he's the first guy since Brian Dawkins that, truly has like that unanimous like retire his jersey the moment he officially declares his retirement like nobody should ever wear number 62 ever again yeah i agree um brandon graham said that he wants to come back next year if the eagles will have him and make it his farewell tour he said it's always been his goal to play 15 seasons and then i think the other Part of the quote was more telling to me was that he said once he hangs up the cleats, he wants to go work in the front office for the Eagles, kind of a Connor Barwin uh, path and be part of the front office and be part of the next generation of this franchise. I think that is, you know, one of those things that everyone talks about Philadelphia is this tough city to play in. It's it's a place that nobody wants to go. And we've obviously seen over the past few years of not only just doing this podcast, but like even before then seeing players say like, I wanted to go play in Philadelphia, Brandon Graham wanting to stay in Philadelphia and work for the team is the ultimate tell all story because nobody wanted Brandon Graham here in the first place. When the Eagles drafted him in 2010, everyone wanted Earl Thomas because Brian Dawkins just left. You needed a new safety. And then you go draft a defensive lineman. Who's kind of undersized from Michigan and Brandon Graham has turned into a, a franchise icon, and now he wants to, you know, go work with Howie and, and the rest of the front office. I think that is the ultimate, like, Philadelphia is one of the coolest places to play because you can have a story like Brandon Graham. Yeah, absolutely, too. And, you know, he said he has uh, might have one more year in him, too, like, playing-wise. Um, and he said he wants to, like, approach it with, it with the knowledge that it's his last year, you know, so um, – I mean, he was ultimately, like, ultimately, too, when you talk about the game itself against Tampa Bay, he's probably one of the only players that I think played well. So, Yeah, him and Fletcher Cox, oddly enough, had yeah. fantastic games. I think ultimately next year 
sure, you know, you'll eventually have to have the changing of the guard. You, you bring Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox back on a one-year deal. And we said it last year when it was happening. It's like, you give them one-year deals until they're ready to retire. Same thing with Jason Kelsey. Um, they've been franchise cornerstones. And it's so rare in any sport to see guys wear one uniform for their entire career. These guys have cemented themselves, obviously, by winning a Super Bowl here as franchise legends. But if they're all able, and you include Lane Johnson in that conversation too, where he said he feels like he has multiple years left in the tank, which I agree. Um, those four in particular, like, make sure that they don't end their career in another jersey. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Um, if you had to put a marker on it, where would you say your percentage for Sirianni being back is at right now versus if he's gone? Um, I lean – oh, man. I'm going to say I think he is there's, – there's a 55% chance that he's here next year. I, I, I think it's more likely than not. But I think if you had asked me that question two weeks ago, I would have said like 95, mm -hmm. you know, the, the fact that we're, we're sitting here. And I think we are in, you know, we were, we talked a few weeks ago, maybe even longer at this point, who knows, it all blends together, about the Falcons, about Arthur Smith. We were just talking about coaches that could be fired. And you had brought up Arthur Smith and I said, well, you know, there was the report that week before about how his job was safe unless it was a disastrous end of the season. And it was, and he was fired. It was actually the first coach fired, you know, in, in kind of that end of season, you know, layoffs. Um, Sirianna, I think it's the same kind of thing. You know, it's just, it's one thing to have, if this is just the way it had gone, if you had just said, like, like this is how the, the, the end of the season is going to go, like, wow, that's tough. To If you just had no context, no scores, if you just said, you're going to lose six out of the last seven, and you're going to lose on the road in the, in the wild card round, you'd say, that's that's a pretty tough scene. I don't know that you would have said Sirianni's getting fired, but when you when you see it in context and you see just the 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 way this team devolved over the course of the year, I just I, I think there are a lot of questions to answer now. I still think it's likely that he's back next year, like more likely than not. But it's a higher it, there's a higher part of me now that thinks like yeah he might not be like and maybe this is the year to do it too because there's so many options available. However, I do think what we brought up earlier is important to keep in mind is. You don't want to be the organization, too, though, that has a kind of reputation for, you know, Doug Peterson won a Super Bowl, was out within a few years. You know, like, you don't want to be a guy that gets you to a Super Bowl and the next year is out of a job. Like, that, it's it's a tough thing to balance, but, yeah, it's, it's more likely than I thought. I have a, a fun exercise here. Uh, before we get to it, it's brought to you by our pals over at FOCO. Uh you guys saw the velour track suits all out and about the overalls. They've got them for every team. You saw me rocking the Phillies ones all baseball season. They've got the, the fun like home run hats that Bryce Harper was wearing a couple years ago. Just the best collectibles, the best apparel that you can think of to support your favorite teams from baseball to football to hockey to basketball, soccer, entertainment, the whole nine yards. They've got you covered. Click the link in the description and grab your forever collectibles today, foco.com. Shout out to Foco for sponsoring the podcast. Matt, I've got – this is from CBS Sports. They've got the 15 best or most available uh, head coaching candidates going into next year. You tell me if you want the candidate or if you'd rather have Nick Sirianni back. 
for the Eagles. So number one on their list, obviously, pedigree alone, uh, is Bill Belichick. I, I'm out on Belichick. I think he's I think he's washed. I'm not interested. Uh, number two is the multi-million dollar man, Ben Johnson, from the Detroit Lions. Yes, because I think he's a better play caller. Uh, number three, national champion, head coach of Michigan, Jim Harbaugh. Uh, way too weird. I I just think he's way too weird. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, number four on this list, no way in hell he's going to be the head coach of this team, uh, Brian Johnson. No, thank you. Uh, number five, Dan Quinn. No, no shot. Uh, number six, Lou Anarumo, who is the defensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, he was a really hot candidate last year. If he had come out, um, defensively, they lost pieces. I'm okay. I I think if you make a move, I I would like to see an offensive minded head coach. Number seven is Bobby Slowick, the offensive coordinator of the Texans. I think that's a big jump to make. He's he's like a future planning guy. This is a team that's ready to win right now. Mm-hmm. So I think he's maybe a little too inexperienced. So I would say no. Uh, number eight has already been hired, and that's Gerard Mayo. Yeah. Which, did you see the clip from uh, his press conference today with Robert Kraft? Was this him talking about seeing color? and? Uh... Uh, pretty close. It was uh, Robert Kraft mispronouncing his brother's name, and Gerard Mayo jokingly said, "Yeah, it's one of those black names. I'll help you learn it." It's <laughs> pretty good. Um, number nine, defensive coordinator of the Minnesota Vikings, Brian Flores. No thanks. Although, nope. if you could teach Jalen Hurts how to play against a blitz, it might be worth it. Yeah. Number 10 is the current assistant coach and offensive coordinator and probably future head coach of his current team, the Washington Commanders, Eric Bieniemy. That, I, I think, is a little interesting. and I, He's a guy to me that I think is flown under the radar because the fact that I'm hesitating, I, I, think, I think I might consider that, actually. Uh, number 11, the defensive coordinator of the Baltimore Ravens, Mike McDonald. That I think I, I could get into. That I, I think we could have a conversation about. Yeah, I think I would take McDonald. Uh, number 12, Mike Vrabel. Yes. I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> number 13, the current defensive coordinator of the Carolina Panthers, Ejiro Evero. He's an interesting name, like, and I, I think could be good. I don't know if he fits with timeline and direction of this team, but I do think he's someone maybe not this year, but next year we're talking about more. Number 14 on this list is the current offensive coordinator of the Miami Dolphins, Frank Smith. Ultimate I, create a coach <laughs> Madden name. No one has any clue what this guy does. Um <laughs> Mike Bethany is going to get all the credit for the offense all the time. Um, so the fact that I can't tell you for sure that he's really the the genius behind the, the Dolphins offense, which gets shut out by uh, top defenses, I, I, I'm not so sure. Uh, and number 15 on the list is the current offensive coordinator 
for the Seattle Seahawks, Shane Waldron. Uh, no, thank you. No, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> you know who's not on the list that I think uh, would be interesting is Pete Carroll. Because I know that yeah. he – it's kind of assumed that he's taking just a role within the Seahawks, but he was saying that he wanted to keep coaching. He wanted to still coach. And he's a vibes guy. Big vibes guy. Big gum guy, too. Reunite him with, uh, with Rashad Penny. and <laughs> just... I'm trying to think yeah, of good. any other – we bring Russell candidates? Wilson as a backup because his team is obsessed with getting Russell Wilson and he's going to get cut. And we have uh, Russell Wilson, Jalen Hurts. Can you imagine that kind of hell? If we have a Russell Wilson, Jalen Hurts mini camp and training camp uh, dilemma. Oh, man. I just, tell I just you what. put something real evil into the world. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't think Russell Wilson ends up in Philadelphia, but I think he ends up in Pennsylvania. He, he sure as hell He might. screams Steelers quarterback next year. He he screams Steelers or Giants. Oh, Steelers, 100%. Giants. There's another team. Uh, he also screams New England Patriots. Yeah, I think like a new era. You know, you kind of you, you try some of that. Yeah, that, that is where like I think great quarterbacks from the 2010s go to die is, is the Patriots. <laughs> Just join the Cam Newton uh, conga line. Which, hey, speaking of Cam Newton – he wasn't wrong in his little podcast clip that he put out. No, he was not. People, a lot of people gave Cam shit for that clip in the national. They hated media Jesus escape. because he told the truth. <laughs> <laughs> he was pretty spot on with those quarterbacks he listed. I didn't think it was inflammatory at the time. No. Um, and yeah, I mean that that was the only I think solve for this weekend was that uh, the Cowboys, one oh. of the most embarrassing. Uh, performances i've ever seen um man that was that felt good to watch i'll, I'll their, say that and, and their collapse is far worse than the eagles the eagles you, everyone knew you, it was, was inevitable coming. you knew there it was, was coming no you were surprise. just waiting i i turned the game off for the first quarter i was like i'm going to bed i'll catch the highlights the cowboys like, it's I, like I, oh you know we won the division you know we have nine all pros on the team Dax in the MVP conversation. We Undefeated at Deron home. Deron Bland. And then you get absolutely shit raced by the seven seed. You're the first two seed to never make it to the divisional round of the NFL playoffs. You lose to the seven seed for the first time in the NFL playoffs. The seven seed advances in this new format. I think the seven seed had been outscored by, I think it was like 16 or 18 on average. And uh, that was... That was something to watch. I mean, Aaron Jones had more touchdowns in that game than he had all regular season. That's also, again, that's like one of the, I think, the youngest playoff team ever, too. It's not like, you know, it's not like the Rams went in there, right? It's like, well, you right. know, they were, they were really, I'm sorry. That's crazy because the scoreline at the end makes it look a lot better than it was. That was a yeah. monstrous blowout. I was, that Musgrave touchdown. I've I've never in my life seen someone that open. And then they show they show the replay, and you get like a wider view. There's literally not a cowboy in the screen, and they're probably showing off maybe 35 yards, uh, like vertically, and maybe about 20 horizontally. I don't see a single. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> it's there one of the most that. shocking things I've ever seen. And then the replay of the Romeo Dobbs touchdown, where Romeo Dobbs just like. Naruto juked Stefan Gilmore into another dimension and it was like, oh buddy, like 
you you just showed your age there a little bit, Stefan, because Romeo Dobbs hit that move and just went a completely different direction. And Stefan Gilmore still ran like five yards in the direction he was going. I was like, holy shit. He just like sent him to another realm. Yeah, talk about existential questions for the, uh, the offseason. I mean, I, I still have faith in Jalen Hurts. I, uh, I I don't know if, if, if you can ride with that. But it was so funny. They had the, the clip of him talking about, well, if you're going to question Mike McCarthy, you know, uh, you got to question me. It's like, okay. All right. Yeah, we are. We all have been. Have, why don't you have a seat right there, actually? It's, <laughs> it's like the Homer Simpson meme. Like, have a seat. I mean, the fact that I was seeing Dak Prescott photoshops into Broncos jerseys was hilarious. He, there's, there's genuinely something with him and big moments that just does. And, and defensively too, they they stunk. But he was playing awful too, and he gets very lucky with some of the garbage time stuff that it looks a little better on his end. Um, if I'm his agent, I'm happy about that. But man, that was. You talk about the NFC East and just total embarrassment. I mean, God. Insert the Joel Embiid quote from this season that he did on purpose. The lights were too bright. They were. I mean, Dak yeah. has the worst playoff Humbled. record of current quarterbacks in the NFL. He's two and five. I saw that the Packers have more playoff wins at AT and T Stadium than the Cowboys. The Cowboys. <laughs> that is horrendous. Like the Packers I mean, honestly, can say that AT&T Stadium is their home away from home. I just saw Adam Schefter. This just in. Oh, shit. How timely is this, man? We could not have timed this any better. Dallas is not making a head coaching change, and Cowboys head coach Mike McCarthy is returning for the 2024 season. Had a boy, Jerry. Had a boy, Jerry. Well done. I think it's a brilliant decision. I mean, you got to stand by your guy. You got to stand by your guy. Twelve you know? wins in three straight years. You can't. You can't walk away from that. No, you cannot. It's a great, great think, move. You think the guy who stuck with Jason Garrett for almost an entire decade was going to fire Mike McCarthy after hey, three I'm, years? I'm going to. I'm going to give a Jason Garrett impression there, Jerry. <laughs> I'm going to clap on by, that one. By the way, what an absolute kick in the teeth was it that you had to navigate the Peacock, one of the worst. <laughs> Worst performing apps of my life. Every time I open Peacock, the sound is messed up, and I have to reset my whole TV. And then you get you load it up, and Jason, Jason goddamn Garrett. Garrett talking to you. God Almighty! <laughs> Who week by week, whenever he's on the broadcast and not in the studio, continues to more and more sound like Chris Collinsworth. He's trying his very best. He's trying and, his best. It's it's like someone describing a color to you, and it's like, wow, I I didn't need any of this. <laughs> Could have done so much, so much more with my time. And it was in one of, I think the most entertaining part of that game was how cold it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, the Mahomes cracked, uh, yeah, cracked the helmet. Dolphins photographer who caught that picture because it's a pretty. Have you seen this account on Twitter? It's like, um, it's like sports images that were that are art. Yes, and. Uh, so I discovered this for the first time over the weekend because the the person behind the account took the Mahomes picture and like found some other thing. I gotta tell you, you know, like how do I like why couldn't I have some weird? Do you want to know like an even crazier part about that account? I would it's first just, of all, I'd, I'd love to have dome. that 
off the dome. I'd love off to have the the, ad- the admin of that account on this show because we need to pick that brain. But it's off the dome, and that is yeah. what makes that account that much more cool. Is that it's just art that that person remembers seeing. You could use a skill like that for evil. Like you, yeah. if you have that kind of like memory and encyclopedia, like you could genuinely like the CAA could be training you like to do terrible things to people in the global South or something. You're like a genuine, like that's what they could be doing. Instead, they're giving us free content on Twitter where they're looking at funny pictures from sports. Be like, that reminds me of this painting actually. And it's like, that's great. I love that, that, that we have that. And people that don't think it's real have just not talked to enough people because there, you will find people like that. It's like, wow, that's crazy that you can do that. But I believe it. Yep. We would love to have, uh, sports as art on this show. Who's who's our team now? Who are we? Uh, Ooh, who so, are we? <laughs> yeah, we got to declare allegiance here. So we have the Ravens, obviously keeping it in the the Bird Gang and Lamar. Yeah. Uh, the Lions, yeah, are Lions are, are an great. option. Um, we could be Stroud boys. Stroud, yeah. <laughs> Stroud, Stroud would be. Shout to be out there for me. I think. Uh, I think seeing the Texans, I just don't know if they have the juice to do it. Yeah, I don't. Man, and I mean D'Amico, former Eagle. Yeah, that would be cool. Um, um, Bills, Bills Mafia. It Bills, always, I would love the Bills and Eagles fans feel like the the gang allegiance meme where they're holding two bandanas up together. <laughs> That's what Bills Mafia and Eagles fans feel like. The Bills, though, they just they they feel like they're gonna have another heartbreaking loss. I hate that they have to play the Chiefs. I, they're <laughs> home, though. We we finally get to see Patrick Mahomes not be an Arrowhead merchant, which, by the way, is disgusting. <laughs> Played fifteen playoff games, including Super Bowls. None three. of them been on the road. Twelve and three in fifteen playoff games. And Peyton none of Manning, them have been on the road. Peyton Manning got his twelfth playoff win in his last season playing when he was like a corpse of himself with the Broncos. It's disgusting. It's honestly disgusting. Yeah, I, I would actually. I think ranked in terms of like how much, how happy I would be for the team. I think Bills and Ravens are my one and two, and then Lions. I think those are yeah. my my top three. So naturally, it's going to be a Chiefs 49ers Super Bowl, yep. and it's going to be no fun. JFK has now missed two Lions playoff wins. <laughs> Well, that's if you, you know, you really believe that. You know, he's true. In that. Last I heard, he was in Cuba with Tupac. So, I also love the the rap sheet tweet. Uh, unbelievable scenes in Dallas, and everyone just quote tweeting it with JFK. <laughs> I can, man. That's that's. I really can't get over that loss. I, it's it's so great. Really, it honestly it helped. It helped. I think the coping. With the Eagles yes. loss. Like, well, it alleviated the pain. Yeah. Spoonful of sugar, you know, like helps yeah. the. Uh... <laughs> we still have two South Jersey uh, players in the playoffs, too. Bo Melton with the Packers, and then obviously Isaiah Pacheco with the Chiefs, which. Yeah. The Isaiah Pacheco memes and hearing like national media talk about somebody that you know personally is just so funny. I saw a tweet that said Isaiah Pacheco runs like he's wearing these in gym class, and it was just those like big, like lunky Osiris boot looking shoes it's like they're half a size too big it's like yeah. not too big that they they're still on your feet but it's like you kind of have to do a high step because it's like you're kind of afraid of them falling you're like toes are like curled up in them you're like With digging like, into the <laughs> the girth of moon boots yeah honestly 
Man, Osiris shoes were a terrible invention. It was one of the ugliest things I've ever seen. Osiris shoes and Sesame Street snapbacks and, uh, had a run in 2010. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately. I thankfully, I don't think I ever think I ever got into Osiris. I did think they were cool, but I don't think I ever owned yeah. a pair. But uh, I was cool. close to making that bright. mistake, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's really all it was. They were bright and just big. It was like, well, that's cool, I think, so man yeah that was like i don't even know what to compare them to now i i think it's like the um i see a lot of uh young boys with like people call it the broccoli cut mm. it's not quite a one-for-one because it's not like but i i think that's one thing it's like i look at that and like man you guys are gonna regret that haircut yeah. you're gonna look back at those pictures and look at them like we looked at like frosted tips or something you know it's like you're just i the the, the clothing talk about this with my wife actually the the clothes kids wear now is not as like awful as what we wore like when they were at a similar age and and part of this i believe is because kids don't have a transition stage anymore like they live in such an online world that and it, the like social media sites all that stuff is like populated by like people are aging up you know like it, it's 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 adults and so they don't have that like weird space where they're on like websites made specifically for kids or anything like that like they just go straight to you know whatever like a 29 year old is wearing a 14 year old is wearing. you know like it, it was never really that way um so i i think they don't i don't know that we could have an osiris thing again i would love for them i know that they've taken over like y2k clothing i would love for them to try and bring back like double polo shirts with pop collars because if they can do that then whatever like just give them the world like they've earned it they've earned it all but there's no way that they, you can bring that back and make it look cool i just yeah. refuse to believe that yeah kids kids these days didn't get to play the lilo and stitch sandwich stacker game and it shows <laughs> no they were not on they were not on cool math games and i think that's a real moral failure and i think we should we should do better to rectify that but we we need yeah. to show them just like have them like strapped in and watching just like uh flash time games like on mini clip i don't know what a child would do when if faced with those kinds of games today and i don't blame them either because i I gotta tell you they're bad i i so i on my switch i got the n64 pack and um you know with that is a lot of like n64 games i played goldeneye lord above that game is awful it's unplayable and it's like regarded as one of the best games ever and you cannot play it it is so bad. It is so not friendly. The controls are awful. Everything about it is besides the soundtrack, which goes way harder than it needs to. Um, every every good memory you have of that game is one hundred percent nostalgia. One hundred percent. I had the same thoughts too, and I played the first level. It's like I can't, like physically, can't play this. I physically cannot. Yeah, I mean, I can only quake in my boots thinking about kids right now trying to play runescape <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> which i recently learned they like revived the game and it's like still kind of looks the same but it's like up to date and doesn't lag your computer to the ninth dimension of hell yeah your computer doesn't sound like uh <laughs> i think it's gonna explode at any moment <laughs> um 
we'll we'll touch quick on the Sixers here as they uh, continue the belt to ass tour. It's brought to you by Kenwood Beer, the official beer partner of Underground Sports Philadelphia. It's four point one percent ABV, just one hundred and twenty calories, only eight grams of carbs. You can go to KenwoodBeer.com and use the Kenny Finder to see who's got Kenwood Beer on tap in the Philadelphia, Pittsburgh, Maryland, and New Jersey areas, and you can get it at your local liquor stores in those markets. Must be 21 or older to do so, and of course, please drink responsibly. Uh, Kevin Durant with one of the funniest tweets in recent memory of his saying, Joel only needs three quarters. That's crazy. Yeah, great matchup last night. Yeah, last night. Um against the Nuggets and Jokic and Embiid both play. But Sixers are coming off the back-to-back. That's great, and Embiid's performance was great. Um, I think got a, a lot more like national recognition for, for how he's played, which is, is fantastic. Um, it doesn't change the long-term way I feel about this team, but it does, it does remind you of like this is kind of the peak that they can have. And when Embiid mm-hmm. is playing this way, that they can beat anyone. And he can be an unstoppable force. And we hope that we see that in the playoffs. And so he has one of the best teams around him um, that he's had uh, in his time as a sixer. It also feels like we say that every year, but <laughs> it really does feel like this year there, there's a lot of depth there. Um, and so you just have to hope, I, I guess, that this is what we see in the playoffs. But he's playing great. He's, he's playing better than he did last year was in MVP. And I wonder if we start to see that narrative change a little bit because maybe the Thunder haven't pulled away in a meaningful way. And, you know, Denver's kind of had an okay season rather than a great season. Jokic, as well, has had just another, like, good year. He hasn't really taken the big step. So maybe Embiid does sneak another MVP. Who knows? But um, they're willing to forgive. I'm not. But I, <laughs> I will see them in April before, they, <laughs> before I really buy in. Which uh, last night, too, after the game uh... – Nikola Jokic taking in Philadelphia's finest went out to McGillan's after the game. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the funniest place you could put Nikola Jokic that, um, <laughs> you know, like I'm imagining him trying to navigate um, like Reading Terminal Market, you know, it's like a little oh. cramped in there. Like I'm imagining a big human trying to get around that space. It's almost that would like, be fun for me. It's almost like the mouse trying to navigate the cheese in like the old school like science labs. Yeah, it's um. I mean that place is like sardines in a can. I just can't imagine Nikola Jokic. I mean, he could see that everything. That's a good thing. Like That's he true. wouldn't he wouldn't need to look at the map on the wall. Like he would know where everything is just by just by doing a sure, quick scan. Honey. But but I mean, good luck getting there. <laughs> imagine you hilarious. know those tables are so tiny and they're all like stacked together. Imagine like. Nikola Jokic probably takes up like four. You know, <laughs> imagine. Okay, imagine an NBA team, even if it's just the Sixers yeah. at Reading Terminal Market. They take a, They probably take up every single table there. They're just that big, and yeah. the place there is just that small. Definitely, Reading Terminal Market for an NBA team would be one of the more hilarious things to witness. Um, Sixers have a little. Uh, they have like a little room there. They do. <laughs> You can stand and eat your slop. <laughs> uh, and they get to avoid the what will probably be hilarious max contract Pascal Siakam will get as he will be headed to Indiana from Toronto in a three-team trade that Woj broke Get ready to today. learn corn, buddy. <laughs> 
I don't know what that really does overall for the Pacers. Like everybody in Woj's mentions talking about how the two man game with Siakam and Halliburton is going to be so much fun to watch. Like sure, but I don't know how much needle movement that does for the Pacers overall in the East. I th- I think it can. You know, I, I think I think too. Like Indiana is not a place that can attract free agents. Like there are possibilities of getting Siakam as a free agent are pretty low, but now you can lock him in and get bird rights and. You can pay him, I think it's like sixty something million dollars more than anyone else, so he's very likely to stay. Um, and yeah, I, I think I think it's fine to go all in on what is like one of the most efficient offenses ever. You know, right now with the Pacers and try and add another piece for that. I, I don't mind getting competitive. You look at the East. You're outside of Boston. I don't know. I I, I think you could you could convince yourself. I mean, this was a team that made the uh, the what do you call it? the whatever they're calling the in-season tournament. I need a better name than the in-season tournament. Give me something. Truth. Yeah, give me give me the the whoever memorial tournament, you know, something like that. But I don't know. I, I think you can convince yourself that you, you kind of get aggressive when you have a young team, and, and I don't mind it. Yeah, and I think the other good thing for the Sixers to see was that Joel played back-to-back. That was nice to watch because typically in the past, like – Joel sitting out that Rockets game and waiting for the Nuggets or vice versa. And it's like, oh, he missed out on Embiid versus Jokic. But for him to play the back-to-back, I think, was a big thing, especially with the the knee swelling. And he's got nine games left that, you know, he can miss before being eliminated from the uh, MVP discussion. So it was good to see him play in a back-to-back. Yeah, you you hit it especially like with his knee injury last week. That's always a little bit of a worry. Like that feels like something can linger. Seems like he's uh, putting in good performances, and yeah, you you kind of just you you want him to stay healthy throughout the year. Yeah, um, that's all we got for you guys on this one. Make sure you're following us on the socials at Underground PHI on Twitter. Instagram, TikTok, Threads, Facebook.com slash Underground Sports PHI, Twitch.tv slash Underground Sports PHI. You can follow Matt on Twitter at Matt Castarina. Follow me at KBIZZL311. Subscribe to the podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts in audio form. Let's keep those rolling. Let's get the, the numbers flowing in audio. It really helps us continue to grow, helps more people find the show, and helps us, you know, do more cool and dope things with and for you guys. And of course, subscribe to the underground sports Philadelphia YouTube channel, youtube.com slash at underground sports, Philadelphia. It's where you get full video episodes of this show twice a week, every show on our network, clips, shorts, live streams, you name it. If it's video content, it's on our YouTube channel. We're at 719 subscribers. Let's get to 800 before the end of January as our next goal. And, uh, you know, that push towards one K continues on and of course get your merch phiapparel.co code underground for 10% off your order and this show is presented by the city of Vineland and whether you're a company looking to expand relocate or you're a new business startup selecting the right location is critical to your success Vineland New Jersey offers both an affordable business location and an excellent quality of life the city's economic development department is a one-stop source for moving your project through the development and approval process And their goal is to make this process as smooth as possible and to provide the fastest turnaround times in the region. If you're considering potential locations for your operation, contact the Vineland Economic Development Team at 856-794-4100. That's 856-794-4100. 
Vineland, New Jersey, where it's always growing season. And big thank you to Security 21 Security Systems and Paul J. Gillespie Incorporated for their continued support of this podcast. It's been episode number 604 of Underground Sports Philadelphia. For Matt, I'm KB. We'll see you guys on the next one. But until then, we're getting the heck up out of here, and we are signing off. Peace. I'm